today on The Breakdown. You can hear a very slight flute in the background. <laughs> a tumbleweed rolls across the street. And Melanie Weissner and Kathy Liebert stare each other down. But this time the ammo isn't bullets that they're firing. It's chips. Because they're playing a poker after dark cash game hand. And it's a really big hand. And it brings up some interesting things that we really want to talk about about poker. And we're going to do it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I feel like that opening stole a little piece of my old book from like, there was a, a period of time when uh, I say the openings for the videos. Yeah. I, I still do that. But uh, there was a period of time when there was an older hand. I would, I would do some sort of context like that, you know, like about travel agents still existing or something like that and say it in that kind of voice. So it felt kind of similar. There. Yeah, you, yeah, you're usually doing it like time-based and yeah. I'm doing more location-based, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's fun. It was fun. I, that, that was a, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> more of those, please. Yeah, anyway... Um, for those of you who are paying attention, this is a Poker Central hand. We never do Poker Central hand videos. Right. And that means this is a podcast only hand. Ding, Ooh, ding, 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 ding. You did it, people. You made it. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. So any of your video viewing friends or what I would call dummies or normies, um, you could tell them about this podcast, you know, because the podcast is where it's at, people. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you should watch the videos, too, like obviously. probably three or four times. But the podcast is where it's at, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. Podcast where is that? Yeah. And that's why Alex Klaus suggested this hand, even though he knew that we wouldn't do it on a video, probably. He might have even known that. He might have. It's possible because he's a big fan. Sure. Alex Klaus. Uh, he, of course, tweeted at us. We are at two poker guys, number two poker guys. Use a YouTube link and timestamp that puppy. Don't actually stamp a puppy. That sounds violent, but you know what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be violent. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I guess you could just, gently put a, a like a letter stamp exactly. on, a, on a puppy. That's stamping a puppy. You're right. They might love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might be so overjoyed by that. I'm hey, guess saying. what? This is the first podcast of the day. What does that say about oh, the second podcast of the gonna day? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a disaster. It's going <laughs> to be like that, that movie that the movie The Disaster Artist was about. Oh, yeah. The well, Room. You know, that guy has made, made real money yeah. on the movie The Room, Tommy Wiseau. So what do you want? Yeah. With like midnight showings for people who are high, well, basically. Let me tell you what. Since that movie came out, I'm sure he's made a lot more money. Oh, on the, since the Disaster Artist came yeah. out, yeah, for sure he has. What a deal! Yeah, what an amazing deal! And didn't James Franco like win the Golden Globe for it or something? The Academy uh, Award, something like he won some award, and uh, like that kind of stuff. It's just amazing. Yeah. Anyway, Tommy Wiseau. Yep, that's what we're talking about. I don't know how that happened. All right, let's, let's get back to Las Vegas where that tumbleweed is still rolling along. That's it's really right. a very slow wind, so it's taking a long time for the tumbleweed to clear the screen. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It's like kind of like a Mel Brooks type joke right there that you yes. probably do in a movie. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, Mel Brooks not involved in this hand. This is uh, <laughs> an all-female cash game table that uh, Poker After Dark did. They called it Femme Fatale Week because... I don't know, because they didn't Cause they have, have to any, name it something. Because they're creatively bankrupt, I guess. They have to name it something. It's not easy to name something every week. That's all. We name multiple things every week. We don't name poker time, right? Because we're like, this is going to be hard to do every week. Oh, yeah. Week. No, we so don't name That's poker. what they're why, doing. Why would we name poker time? Exactly. That's what they have to do every week. Yeah. They shouldn't so, do that. Uh, they yeah. asked for it. They want it. They got it. All right. Anyway, let's get to the hand, huh? Yeah. All right. It's a $100, $200 game, we think. Probably. We, we pick up the action after the preflop action, but we, we think we reconstructed it pretty well. Yeah. So we're assuming it's a 100-200 game. That would make sense. 
Uh, Melanie Weisner, who has a bunch in front of her, 123,000. This is dollars because it's a cash game, people. Yes, it is a cash game. Um, For those who don't know, Melanie Weisner is a very good player. She's been around for a while. Yeah. You know, six or seven years at least she's been... Oh, longer than that. There was, there was talk back in the day that she was perhaps the best heads-up player in the world that, really? for a while. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe that was heads-up sit-and-goes versus heads-up... This is like pre-Dan Coleman, but mm-hmm. there was that like... I think it was heads-up sit-and-goes that she was... If was if she wasn't the best, she was certainly in the conversation for the best. I know that. Well, that's uh, always a good person or a good thing to be in the conversation for. Mm. So, okay. So that's who we're dealing with here with Melanie Weisner. Yeah, she's legit. Yeah. She's got two red queens uh, under the gun, or yeah, under the gun, and she makes it something like eight hundred. Right, it could like be a thousand, could be eight hundred. We're not sure. Yeah, it could be seven hundred, whatever. Uh, folds to Kathy Liebert in the cutoff. It is six-handed, by the way. So under the gun is not as powerful of a position as you would right. normally expect. Right. Um, so she doesn't have to have a super strong hand, although she does. So she has two queens, makes it seven or eight hundred, maybe thousand. Liebert has forty-eight k in front of her. A more normal stack for for this type of game. Yeah. Um, and. Of course, you know who Kathy Liebert is, right, people? I mean, she's, she's, she might be still the... No, I guess she's probably behind Vanessa now. For like, No, I remember when Vanessa growth. passed her yeah. like two years ago. So she's probably still number two, though. Yeah. For, all-time uh, female money winners, right? Yes. she Her her heyday was like the early 2000s, you know, like the moneymaker boom era. The, the, the boom of the... Or not the boom, but like when the WPT, you know, ruled the world, basically, yeah. you know, and she was she made a bunch of those final tables and stuff like that. Yeah, she had a really good run back then. She hasn't had... As impressive of results recently. Correct. Games caught up a little bit, I suppose. But obviously, she's still doing well enough to, to buy into this game. So that's pretty good. Or get, at least get backed into it. Sure. So that's pretty good. Um, she makes it 3,100 in the cutoff with Ace of Clubs, 10 of Diamonds. Yeah. So three betting here. What do you think about three betting this hand in this situation? Uh, I think we should be doing it if we think a few things. Number one, Melanie is opening a lot. Two, Melanie is going to call, uh, like, we... we I would want. I'd only want to be three betting this. I think Melanie's going to call with a lot of hands that are potentially and not not beating us. You know what I mean. So she's got to call with a bunch of suited aces. She's got to call with king queen. She's got to call with king jack. She's got to call with stuff like that. Otherwise, I'm not sure this is a great spot. But if we think she's going to call, which mostly people do in cash games when you three bet even out of position, this is okay as long as she's got a wide range and she's in her continuing range is also we're doing well against her continuing range. That's is, what I think we need. What do you it, think? Yeah, I agree with you. Is another way to say what you're saying that this hand is a little bit too good to turn into a bluff here if we don't think we can get called by too many worse hands? Yeah, that's part of the problem. The other problem is it may not be good enough to flat with. Right. So that's where we sort of get in this weird spot with it. Like, if it's ace-10 suited, I think we can really comfortably flat. Oh, yeah, that hand plays a lot better. Even ace-jack off, we could probably flat in this game six-handed. Like, we could decide to three-bet it. We could decide to flat it. I think both are much more reasonable. Ace-10 is like you're really reaching now to flat, I think, from a profitability point of view. like Yeah, I agree. So three-betting makes sense for that reason. Yeah. At the same point, we are a bit worried, especially... It depends on what the opening size was, honestly. If it was 700, we're making it 3,100. We're probably not going to get called by worse hands too often. Right. But if she made it 1,000, making yeah. it 3,100, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Just like she's just 3Xing. That's yeah. fine. Um, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to just like... Also, we may be sort of saying like, wow, Melanie's been opening a lot. Or something about when Melanie gets 3-bet. Like, I want to look for opportunities to 3-bet. And you get this hand, you're like, well, I can't call with it, but it's got a blocker. This is a pretty good 3-betting hand. Yeah. Great. That's reasonable. So, but you have to have some reason to do it, I think, beyond just, I have ace-10. Yep. I think, I think you're right. Especially um, against Melanie. Like, there are, she's probably the toughest spot at the table, is my guess. Probably. at the table, you know. Yeah. 
So I don't know why we'd be going after her. And she's going to make the better decisions than anyone else. Like, let's go after everybody else. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, Yeah, but I understand wanting to play the hand and wanting to play it as a three bet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like a three bet way better than a flat. Yeah, way better. I do, too. Um, By the way, these stacks are pretty deep for this game, I think, because they do call it a 20K cash game. Yeah. Maybe that just means that's the minimum buy-in. Must be, because everyone's got more, right? Yeah, but Weisner's got 123K. I mean, Kristen Bicknell is sitting next to her, and Kristen Bicknell has got a lot of chips also, like a lot. Like, she's basically, this whole hand, she's just sort of watching, but she's constantly playing with the chips and moving them around and stuff because there's just so many. (laughs) And you can't help yourself. Those beautiful chips represent dollars. It's nice. Yeah. It's nice when you look at your chips and they represent dollars. Mm. Um, Okay, so... After Liebert three bets, everybody folds back to Melanie Weisner. Yeah. She has two options. She could four bet or she could just call. Yeah. What do you think is better? Do you think it is player dependent? Do you think it is situation dependent? I mean, to some degree, those things are always true. Yes. Right? Like there are certain players, of course, you would four bet queens against. But I think the majority of players and certainly competent players like Kathy Liebert Four betting is probably a money-losing play over time. Especially when you opened in your tightest position at the table. Right. And she chose to three-bet you anyway. She's probably going to fold out almost all worse hands or call when she's getting the right odds to call the like set minor, you know, and she's probably never going to fold better hands. And, you know, it, I just don't know how much... Like, is she going to call with ace-queen if we four-bet? Probably not. Is she going to call with tens if we four-bet? Only if she's getting the right price to set mine, probably, you know. Is she going to call with ace-king? Yes. Like, I don't know that a lot is accomplished here by four betting, except by narrowing our range so much, you know, that it's really easy to play against us. Conversely, uh, we see that Liebert is three betting with ace 10 off here. We don't know for sure that she's been doing that type of thing a lot. Yes. But I think we, we clearly need to have a four betting range. And Queens is the third best hand in poker. So yeah. you could consider putting that in the four betting range. That's fair. That's totally fair. If, if, if we feel like Liebert's been three betting a fair amount against us or just in general, we could decide to four bet queens and go with them. But like, there's a lot of blinds like behind yeah. all this. There's like, I mean, Liebert's got starts the hand with like 200 and what? Almost 250 blinds. She, she has 45K, right? 48K to start okay. the hand. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So like getting 250 blinds in pre flop against a good player with queens is generally suicide. It is, but you know sometimes the dynamic of the game, especially a cash game, right. can change. No what question. ranges are good to get in with. No question. And so, but that's what we need to be. But if we four bet, like four bet folding, seems like a disaster. Four bet calling it off also sort of seems like a disaster. I I kind of agree with you, but I still wrestle with this idea right. of taking this really good hand and and being too afraid to four bet it when we need to have four bets. Yeah. And we we're going to end up being too bluff heavy or not four betting enough if we don't include a lot of these good hands. It's hard to argue with that point. It's really hard to argue. Like, what are we only four betting aces, kings, and ace deuce suited? Like, we, that seems we, like I, not I mean, enough. we could be four betting ace king because we're blocking hands that we don't want her to have. It's still a disaster to call it off. True, but it's easier to fold, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, it, we're blocking lots of stuff that's really going to work for us. And also, we get more good things to happen, I think, because she's like having full equity with ace king is really important yeah. comparatively to queens, where it's less important, I would say. So we have aces, kings, ace, king, and then a couple like ace wheel suited. And do you think that's enough? Um, well, let's figure it out. So if we have aces, kings, ace, king, we've got six, 12, another 16. So that's 28 combos. I think we need at least like 14 combos of bluffs, right? Yeah. So we could do all ace wheel suited, which is a bit more than that. Too many. But yeah, some, or something close to that. Maybe yeah. ace, 
ace deuce, ace three, ace four is 12 combos. That gets pretty close. Yeah. Something like that. We often construct four betting ranges that are similar to this when we're yes. talking about them. And I, I especially in a cash game, I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we're not expansive enough with these ranges. You know, if we need to be expanding them to include queens, to include yeah. like some other weak aces, maybe also for bluffs, you know, in spots where people are three betting frequently. I mean, I think if people are three betting frequently, we probably should be doing all of that. I think that's totally makes sense, right? We punish them for their wider three bet range by four betting more. Right. Um, But if they're not three betting much at all, then suddenly, you know, I don't think we should, we should do anything with Queens except call, right? Because we just, they're going to probably, they're probably doing a polarized range against us. Often, maybe not even polarized, maybe just super strong. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I doubt it, but you know, we see lots of like good pros on these in these games, not three betting light. We right. see that? No, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I just wonder if it's a mistake everybody's making. No, no, it's fair. It's Be- a fair question like, to ask. Especially considering Ace Ten Off is getting three bet here. I mean, there's over thirteen hundred combos in No Limit Hold'em. Yeah. And we're four betting with like forty of them. Yeah. That really feels like a small amount. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, I think you're right, but we need to also keep in mind what the true dynamic is, not what the theoretical dynamic is, right? And if, yeah. no, if practically no one's three-betting, then we probably shouldn't be four-betting much at all. I 100% agree. I guess this is just kind of like a poker theory, let's talk yeah. about it type of thing, because why not? We're on the podcast. No, 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 just, no it's good. Yeah. No, it's totally good. Like, if Liebert's almost never three-betting, then I don't know if we can... Pr- I, I would guess we can't profitably four-bet, even with Queens, is yeah, my guess. I agree. Because she's three-betting such a tight range. If that's true, if that isn't true... We absolutely can four bet with queens, but we need to have clear plans about what our continuing range is if we're five bet. Yes. Because cause I assume we're going to... And probably queens has to be part of the continuing range, right? If we're going to three bet light a lot, you know what I mean? We're going to like have a polarized range. If we have a polarized range, we might sometimes four bet with a depolarized range against certain players. Yeah. You know, we got jacks and we got tens and we have ace queen in there and stuff like that. Like, it's not insane depending on how, how they're going to play against that. If they're willing to call our four bets... You know, if we think that's going to happen a lot, then we could, we should be depolarizing our range again. Yeah, I agree. This is this is fascinating to me because I think this is the toughest for me personally when I'm thinking about myself playing in spots like this. For some reason, to me, the toughest nut to crack in No Limit Hold'em is how many bets to put in preflop in a No Limit cash game that is deep stacked with, right. with what range. Right. Like that is that feels like the biggest like unsolved leak for me, you know. That just feels like I have all these ideas. I'm not sure they're good ideas. Yeah. You know, like I feel like very comfortable in tournaments with all of this stuff and very comfortable post-flop in all situations. Uh, and But just pre-flop, no limit, deep stack cash games, like when you're getting three bet, what do we do with, with our different hands and what's the most profitable line? I mean, I think the first thing you have to be aware of is, or the way to determine that, I should say, is really getting clear about what your opponent's three betting range is. Absolutely. Once you know that, and it's hard to know that. It's right? really hard. But once you know that, and it's hard to know that, but you can make some pretty good guesses pretty quickly, right? Sometimes you're going to be wrong, but like you see someone three betting a lot and then they three bet you. Well, they probably have a wider three betting range than most and you can start to guess what that is, right? Yeah. Um, but once you know that, you can, you can pretty quickly assemble like a reasonable group of hands from your original raising um, range, which is going to be a three betting range. You'd want to take about a third of them, I think, and four bet them. And yeah. then for there, you can do it balanced where you're two-thirds value and one-third bluff. And then there's sort of nothing they can do about that. Right, like, I Just agree. from a mathematical point of view. From a mathematical point of, of view, I completely agree. But like, especially when we're playing deep stack cash games, like you and I are not playing 100-200. 
So right. playing exploit is really the way to go in those spots. You can't just be like GTO balance and, and think that that's going to be profitable enough to make sense for you. Like, well, let me, let me give you a, a practical example here. Okay. Because I think this is a really good point you're bringing up. And, and all of it, of course, comes back to what is their actual range? If they're doing this super tight... You can't get crazy. If they're doing it tight, but they fold a lot anyway to four bets, you can get crazy. And yeah. So, like, for a great, a great example is on Poker Time, right? Um, Digital Dan on Poker Time likes to three and four bet. Yes. Now, he also likes to, by the way, he likes it, and he also likes to trap with really big hands. That's so true. Put those two things together. I've been watching, and I've, I don't know if I've ever played Digital Dan in cash, but I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, wow, if I'm ever playing Digital Dan in a cash game, and I open and he three bets me, or even... Four bets in the cold four bets, even sometimes there's some really good opportunities to uh to five bet all in with hands that normally you just have to fold, like ace hands with like suited aces, like blockers and stuff like that. Because that guy likes to four bet cold with jacks, four bet cold with ace king, and fold. Yeah, so it's like if I can blow him off almost everything in the world except kings and aces, which is probably what you can do, is my guess. Maybe he calls with queens, I'm not sure. I don't think he does actually until he sees me doing this a bunch. And I'm blocking aces because I've got ace three suited, which means when called, I have, I'm 30% against kings and I'm, in, I'm dead against aces basically, but that's okay because I block it. There's only three combos of that. I have a feeling I'm just printing money against that, against them playing like that, right? Yeah, and that's, um, that's obviously hyper exploit. Of course, of course. But this is like, this goes back to like, so he's probably often formatting with a relatively tight range, but he's also folding most of that range when you show right. your teeth. Yeah. No, I agree. And so a lot of what it comes down to, and this is what I talk about with uh, some of the more advanced clients I've had in the past for poker coaching is, is like the thing that a lot of them are missing that, that have all of these good game theoretical understandings, but they're really missing something is, is player dependent plays, Yes, which is, seems like the most obvious thing in the world, but it's really hard for people to categorize players and decide what type of player they are. Right. And you just described a very certain type of three better. And you have to be able to identify those players in order to make the correct exploitative plays, especially pre-flop in a spot like that. Right. I mean, part of the thing that's interesting to me is, so you sit down at a cash game table, and I've done this thousands of times, right, playing cash in poker, mostly limit hold them, but it's all the same in, this, in terms of what we're talking about right now, which is trying to profile players and understand who they are and how they play. And I feel like I get a pretty strong hit on players within the first, like, 10 hands or something like that. Mm-hmm. However... The kind of stuff we're talking about right now takes a lot more hands. It really does. Like you need, like this is more. You need to be sitting there for hours, or have have at least hours and hours of history at the same table and take notes or remember that about this player to be able to use any of this kind of stuff because these this kind of tendencies now is much more nuanced and just doesn't come up very often. Like we don't see that many three bets, right? And you don't see you see very few four bets. I mean, like very very few four bets in a, in a cash game, right? Mm-hmm. So, like it's hard to know what to do with that kind of stuff because you just don't have much of a sample size. So part of this comes down to paying a huge amount of attention. And part of it maybe comes, it comes down to coming up with like figuring out mathematically what's right against a typical three betting range and maybe figuring out what it is against a slightly wider one against a slightly tighter one. And just like, so that way you can assign, like I could say, well, digital Dan, I think he's got a tight three betting range. So I want to take this approach, right? This guy's got, I'm going to guess a slightly wider three betting range. So that means I'm going to expand my four betting range to this. You know, with like, I'm going to include queens. I'm going to include a few more ace suited hands. I'm going to include jacks. Damn it. You know, that makes sense. So I'm going to do that against this guy. And so then you at least have like a default thing and maybe you get even more granular as you, um, as you get to know that particular player. Right. I mean, and that's the obvious answer. And I've, I've of course thought of that before, but at the same time, it just still feels like, 
like this yeah this weird ether when when you're dealing with preflop stuff especially because like emotions swing a lot in cash games and it might change your opponent's tendencies like mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah no i agree it's totally interesting yeah so if you like that discussion that's that's for podcast people right there yeah that's like, a podcast only discussion for sure yeah so i enjoyed it yeah it's good it's good stuff um and you know we're 20 minutes in and we are still preflop let's get to it because this is actually has some interesting moments it it certainly does and not just about three betting with ace 10 off and whether Wisner should four bet which she does not right she decides just to call with the two red queens and we're gonna head to the flop but before we head to the flop let's talk about nitrogen sports poker room let's do it who brought you this wonderful podcast without them we're nothing they are the stork who brought the baby we are the baby (laughs) yeah that's that's their new motto um anyway (laughs) nitrogen sports is a really good online poker site they have good software it's in your browser you don't have to download anything it's snappy you know i even snapped when i said snappy probably didn't hear that but it is snappy uh it is bitcoin only which is great for a couple reasons uh the main one being really fast withdrawals everybody wants that right yes the answer is yes everyone yeah and by really fast i mean five to twenty minutes so that's pretty sweet and you get to do two free per month and it's really cheap if you do more than that, right? It's at this I think it's like one tenth of a millibit, so it's like a dollar, less than a dollar to like even withdraw at any other point now too. Yeah, they've made it like they've done a really good job with that. Speaking of one tenth of a millibit, that is the buy in to our monthly tournament that Crazy. happens the last Sunday of every month, and the guarantee is one hundred millibits, which is one thousand times that their buy in. Yeah. We've gotten a maximum of seventy three players so far in that thing. So Big overlay. Unbelievable overlay. Free amounts of free money in that thing. So get in there. The only way to get in that tournament is to use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen or else you won't even be able to see it. Yes. You'll never get to see our avatars. Yes. Which are beautiful. Um, No. That's not a word. (laughs) That's not a word I would generally use to describe them. But I'm seeing the world through a new lens. They're beautiful in the way like you just had a baby and it's really ugly <laughs> but to you it's gorgeous that's how they're beautiful and even though you can tell when the doctor says it's a beautiful baby you can tell they're lying you still yeah. lie to yourself and say they mean it but you know some yeah. part of you knows it's not a beautiful baby no that's that's where we are we're the, we're the part that knows that's you and me <laughs> yeah because we see how bad those avatars but are. but there's good news you know the not all ugly babies grow up to be ugly people that's true i i have a friend who is a normal looking guy and I would go to his house back in high school and see the baby pictures on the walls and almost throw up. He was disgusting as a baby. Mm. Just a disgusting baby. Hmm. But he grew up and he's a normal looking guy. So good for him. That's a great story. Nitrogen sports poker. Got to use the link in the description when you sign up to have access to our tournaments and other cool poker guy specials. It's easy to do. Get in there. Get you some poker. Back to the hand. We, we hope Nitrogen likes the way we do the ads. I don't know if they do it up, but they keep paying us. That's so how we're going to do it. Uh, okay, so <laughs> let's get back to the hand. Um, we got $6,500 in the pot after the three button call preflop. Liebert has 45K remaining. Weisner's got 120K remaining. Mm-hmm. Weisner with two queens, Lieber with ace 10 off. The flop is 678 Rainbow, Diamonds, Clubs, and Spades. Yep. Weisner checks. I don't really think a good player would ever bet here unless, unless there was a crazy exploit spot. Here, sure. You know, uh, Liebert is going to bet. What do you think about that? Do you think this is maybe a checking board range versus range? I think it's fine to bet this. Uh, Weisner doesn't have, well, Weisner can have the medium pairs. Actually, Liebert probably can too, because they're six handed. She probably can, she but can have like eight. You would assume that 
combinatorially, there are a lot more sets in Weisner's range than Liebert's. Okay, that's probably true. And but more straights. There's very few straights in either of their ranges, though. But yes, well, Weisner's got the straights more so. I agree. But at the same point, like Liebert has aces and kings. Yes. And Melanie mostly doesn't, right? Yes. She's got less. I think it's fine to continue here, especially when we have a hand like Ace-10, which specifically does have a gut shot here. So if we hit a nine, it's hard to get paid, and we do, and it does improve us, you know, in a very significant way. If we hit a ten, it's hard to get paid. If we're, you know, if that if that were to give us the lead, if we hit an ace, it's hard to get paid. Um, also, we're almost certainly behind right now. We're behind a lot of the well, time. Well, that's for, that's so. For I sure. really I, I think betting's fine. I, I I agree with you. Range versus range, we're not doing amazing, but you know, I, we three bet. They called. She called. Like she has a reason. She probably has a pretty good hand a lot of the time, and. It's not the end of the world if we get blown off this hand anyway. Like, we have a bad hand right now. All right. We're bluffing. I, I want to explore the range versus range thing a little bit more. Cool. Because I'm assuming you would you would agree there are some boards where we should be checking back range versus range. I'm sure there are. So, yes. like, where's the cutoff of a, of a board like this? Because we have 6, 7, 8. You think it's a low enough board that we have enough right. repairs that aren't scared. Is 7, 8, 9 a check back board? It's a good question. Um, I would think with this hand, it probably isn't. Because we have an open-ender? Because we have an open-ender, and like again, we get there, it's really hard to get any extra action. Let's forget about our hand for a second. Okay, though. great. Great. So like, we're doing more range-based stuff. Yeah, That's like fair. is 7, 8, 9 the cutoff? Is 8, 9, 10 the cutoff? Where do, where do we think it's probably I don't think. Back? Well, I don't think there's any board where we should probably be checking 100%, but I yeah. think we should be checking probably a lot on a board like this, and boards just like you're, you're laying out. Like We should probably be betting very little, like maybe 20, 30, 40% of our range instead of like normally more like 60, 70, 80% of our range. Yeah. So, but I don't think there's, I don't know if there's any boards which should be 100% checkbacks or almost, maybe there's a few, but very few. Sure, I agree spot. with that. But so, so because of the hand we have, I think that's probably almost always going to end up being in our betting range. Yeah. A no, lot, I, at least a lot of the time. And our hand is a good reason to bet. We do block the nuts and we have a 10 for a straight draw here. A, right. A gotcha straight draw. Now you could make a, you can make a, a converse, converse argument where you could say like, we have showdown value. We do have some equity. That's going to be surprising if we realize it. Um, it's not the end of the world to check here, but ace high is often not good. And also if we check Melanie's often going to find a way to win this hand, even if she's worse than us. True. Uh, you know, she has King queen. She very well may find a way to win this hand. She understands about ranges. Yep. So anyway, but so I think the answer is we're supposed to bet very little on all these kinds of boards for sure. Yeah. And, uh, just, I, but I think betting with this hand is reasonable. Okay. What do you Re- think? I think, I think I agree with you. Cool. I especially like blocking the nuts. That's, yeah. That's a good reason. That helps a lot. Um, so Liebert does bet, she bets 3000 into 6,500, which is pretty small for a cash game. Yeah. But you know, bet people often bet small on a three bet in a three bet spot where like if Melanie's got King queen, ace queen, ace king, not, she doesn't have that much ace king, but she can have ace king for sure. Actually. Yeah. Um, probably Melanie, I don't know, ace Jack, all, all, but actually most two Broadway cards that don't have a 10 in them basically are just going to fold, right? They're yep. just going to give up. And so betting small and betting large is probably going to do the same thing. So I kind of like this sizing. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's fine. Cool. I think it's fine. Do you think there's a better sizing? I'm wondering if we could ever get her to fold a pair, like a seven or something. Uh, so what seven would she have? She'd have to have like a seven suited? Yeah. Because she's not folding any other hands with a seven. No, because right? they would all have straight draws with yeah, them. Or two pairs or something, yeah. yeah. Um. I'm not sure she's even going to call a seven suited out of position anyway. Right. right. So maybe can she have, I mean, ace eight suited? No, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. So it's hard for her to have those hands. 
She, would she ever show up with pocket fives here? Well, it's yes. six, seven, eight, right? Yes. She's not going to fold pocket fives for one bet. No. Pocket fours can show up with... She could raise and decide to call with pocket fours because we're deep enough. Yeah. And she's probably going to call once, at least once with pocket fours anyway. I don't though. know. Maybe not if we bet like 5,500. Yeah, you know what? If we bet big, you're right. The story's weird, but I mean, it's like, are you really going to just go call, call, call? Because that's what we're looking at. Right. Mel. But I, to your point, uh, that's... That was kind of hard to come up with a hand that it made sense for, yeah. and she's not going to have pocket fours that often. So, no, no pretty, yeah. pretty. Unlikely. So the sizing is fine, three thousand. Cool. Uh, I think we can say this with some certainty that there's not much of a decision here for Wisner. No, the decision has been made by the poker gods. She has to just call. It's right? time to call. There's not much else you can do here. Correct. I mean, you can get lucky and be up against jacks and have jacks hold on if we check raise, but that's really ambitious. Yeah. I mean, she could be have nines or tens or jacks and decide to hold on for a while. Right. Yeah. But why, why are we going to do that? Right. So Weisner does just call the pot is $12,500 now heading to the turn, which is the king of hearts. Yeah. Which is slightly bad news for Weisner because Liebert does have ace king in her range. Absolutely. So she's got 12 full combos of ace king there that she may have played exactly like this so far. Yep. And that, you know, that sucks. <laughs> yep. That <laughs> <laughs> is really not a card you want to see. It's better than an ace, but that's it. She doesn't traditionally have too many other kings in her range, but she did three bet ace 10. Maybe she three bets king queen or king jack yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if Weissner's opening enough and continuing enough, those are reasonable three betting hands. Although we do heavily block the second best king, which is the second most likely three bet. We heavily block we the second best king. We have two queens. So king queen. Oh, as Weissner. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. So that's but, a good point. But the king is not a huge part of, of Liebert's range either. It's not. But as you said, ace-king does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So it'd be nice if it went check-check. If it goes check-check, we almost always have the best hand. We yes, like that. That is true. Did it go check-check? No. Oh. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Well, balls. <laughs> well, Weisner does check. Oh. So, that, yeah. So it goes check. It goes check, but then it goes bet. Oh, okay. Liebert bets 7K into 12.5. I like this a lot. Yeah, me too. Because she has... Kings in a range and Weisner basically doesn't. It's really hard. I mean, Weiser, unless Weiser has a huge hand, like a set yeah. or 9-10, which we block, uh, she almost never, she could have King-10, I guess, King-10 suited, have called once with overs and a gut shot and have hit the king. Like, it is very unlikely. It's super she may unlikely. fold that preflop anyway. Yeah, she really might. So I really like this bet. That king is, that king basically makes it, if, if she, that, that she's just like screwed. Like range, range versus range wise. Now she's yeah. like kind of screwed. She doesn't have a monster. Right. Right. So that's great. Yeah. All of the marginal value is in Liebert's range now versus Weisner's. Yeah. And Weisner is going to have to fold a lot of hands here. Right. It's, I mean, if you're sitting there as Weisner, it's like, well, would she bet jacks? Maybe she would because I don't have any kings. Yeah. Would she bet tens? Maybe she would. Would she even bet nines? Maybe she, maybe she would because I don't have these other hands, but she might check those back too sometimes. Right. Nines and tens are interesting candidates to bet as well yeah. because they have additional equity beyond just their current showdownable equity. I really like betting nines especially because you can potentially fold out tens, jacks, and queens, and even if you don't, you can still get there. So I, I think that's a pretty sweet bet. Right. So And get value from some weird shit if she happens to have weird shit. Well, you're not supposed to say that word on this podcast. Oh, no. But that's okay. Who cares? They say it on like CBS now. Who cares? Yeah. All right. Okay, so, good. Um, didn't even realize it. That's what happened to me. I mean, it's because you just don't, you don't have the moral compass of some of us. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. Because I certainly associate morals and word usage like that. 
Good, because that's reasonable. I appreciate you because that's a really being honest about reasonable that. thing to do. Okay, so based on everything we've said, it's kind of a scary spot for Wisner. What do you think she's supposed to do? Well, I was going to say it's an easy call, but I'm immediately stopping and thinking, is this really an easy call? Like, it's totally reasonable to fold here. Well, the, my, my hit. All of the reasons we like, the better are reasons to call. Right. Because we are assuming Liebert is aware of all of these reasons. Of course. So we but, can we can make a distribution argument. This is one of the better hands we show up with. That is for we sure. We should call. Especially because, like, yeah, we're saying we almost never have an ace. This may be... And let, except for the stuff we're slow playing, this may be as good as it gets for us, actually. So yeah. distribution sort of demands we continue. Right. I mean, sets are going to be check raises on the flop so frequently. Yes. It's a it's a coordinated board. Like, we can get value from over pairs. It's... Yep. So we don't show up with that many sets here. Same thing with straights. Yeah, very few. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have some check calls with those hands, but, like, we remove a lot of those. Queens are always a check call. Yep. So it's it's, like, very close to the best hand we can have. It is one of the best hands we can have. There aren't that many hands we can really have, period. Really. I mean, we have like the over pairs to the eights. Right. We have the pairs with straight draws that are suited. If we can have that. If we can show up with like nine, eight, nine suited and stuff like yeah. that and eight, ten suited. Yeah. I'm not sure if we can or not. I think we probably can six-handed. Because we're so deep also. Yeah. yeah, I guess we probably can because we're so deep. But it sucks to be out of position with those hands. It does. Um that's kind of it, right? It's a rainbow board. Yeah. As Melanie Weissner, I guess we could have ace, king, and call once on the flop when she only bets 3,000. That's yeah. actually reasonable. Maybe we can. I don't think so. I think we probably can. I guess. It feels crappy. But but we, but we sometimes we're probably going to four bet that pre, and sometimes we're going to fold that on the flop. And Well, that would, yeah. I mean, but that, that would not be a worse hand than we have right now. That would be a better hand. Right. No, I'm just trying to figure out where we, where we land um, distri- distribution-wise here. I, I really don't think we have many ace-kings at all. We, I, I agree. We, we have very few. Yeah. We have very few. Um, okay. So that's the reason to call, though, in the end. It's like, well, I can't really beat anything. But Liebert knows that she's supposed to bet this card. And maybe I can beat nines and tens and jacks anyway. Yeah. Maybe they're going to bet because the king doesn't make any sense for me to have, and they're just going right. to bet again and like charge me for my draws and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, not make it easy on me. Yeah. Also, whatever, it's $7,000 on Melanie Weisner. What do I care? <laughs> Let's go. Right. Something like that. Exactly that. And she does call. Yeah. And I think it's a reasonable thing to do, although it is a scary spot. Yeah, it's not great. But Liebert is telling a good story now. Yep. She I has, mean, that, the king really helps. But. She has sets of kings in her range, and she has a lot of one-pair value, like pocket aces and ace-king. Absolutely. Uh, but her story... It kind of goes up in flames with the river card here. It makes it really hard for her to continue bluffing in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. With 26,500 in the pot now after the call, the river's the five of hearts. Yeah. So there's four to a straight on the board, five, six, seven, eight. It's really, really hard to imagine having a hand that you can bet here if you're Kathy Liebert. Like, you have to have two nines. I'm not sure. Could we have eight, seven suited and bet here? Maybe. I mean, we'd have to decide to three bet that. Yeah. Which is rare. But we could. Yeah. Right? We have ace, ten. That's a little surprising. I too. mean, eight seven suit is so much less of a three bet than ace ten. Okay, that's fair. But I'm just trying to come up with like hands we can have. Also, suited means very few combos, two combos. That's true. I doubt it's off suit. So, yeah. but I'm wondering if we can have at least a few two pair combos. Maybe we can, and then we could potentially bet those for value if we wanted. Right? We would be afraid of the nine. I mean, maybe maybe we when assume she checks. Yeah. Well, she does check. It. By the way, Weisner checks, which we didn't say, but it's obvious. Otherwise, there's not much to this hand. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess Libra could make a crazy raise, but anyway, that's not what. Yeah, happened. Weisner no, checks. Yeah. And I guess we assume 
that a lot of the time Wisner is going to donk with a nine because it's such a scary card. Yeah. And we trying to get value from aces or ace king. Yeah. Those are always checking back, right? They're yeah. just always checking back. Right. Right. Which is a problem when Kathy Liebert bets 21 K into 26, five. Right. Because remember those hands we said were so scary in the turn. They don't seem reasonable anymore. Aces and ace king are always going to check back, right? Like you said. Well, let's ask that question. I, th- I think on okay. first blush, yes, they're always checking back. On second blush, what are we putting Melanie Weissner on? I mean, she could have a nine. She could have nines. Yes, she can have. It's possible she could have a nines and play it like this. I don't know if it's super likely, but it's at least possible. What else can she have? She can have a few sets, although she would raise a lot of those on the flop. She'd often raise those. Yeah. She can have a few. So she has a few very strong hands. Yeah. What else does she have? She has queens, jacks, tens, tens for sure. Yeah. Um, what else? Maybe one or two combos of ace king. Okay. Maybe she somehow shows up with other, um, with some other like, is she, I guess it'd be like, have to be like 10 8 suited because that's the only eight she can really have, right? Yeah. I don't know if she can have ace eight suited. Maybe she can. Maybe she can show up with a few eights. Let's yeah. say that. I don't know exactly how many, but some eights. Is there anything else? No, the, because the turn created a full rainbow. That, yeah. that makes there. There's a lot fewer combos that she could have had, like floating the flop and continuing because she picked up a flush draw or something. Okay, so besides the hands that are very, very strong, and Melanie is specifically slow playing, Aces is beating everything. Is yeah, it possible? Could you make a super above the rim play and be like, "I'm going to bet because I'm going to. I mean, you're going to make a hero call here, and you're always losing." That all makes sense, but people just don't do that. It's pretty rare. Like, some of the internet kids do that now. Yeah. But I don't know that Kathy Liebert ever does that. I don't think Kathy Liebert's game has evolved a ton in the past 10 years. I don't really think she's betting aces or ace king here. I mean, she probably wasn't three betting ace 10 back in the day, but still, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I think that's very likely that she's not going to bet aces here. By the way, I guess Melanie Weisner, I'm probably strongly considering checking back as well um, with aces, you know, even though she's the kind of person who might find a hero with certain hands. It's almost like... You just feel so dumb when you value yourself. Yeah, you which, know? I mean, sometimes she's just going to be like, call. Right. You know? What like, if she has five, six suited? Yeah. She's made two pair. She's going to call. Yeah. She's going to beat us, and we didn't have to do that, you know? Yeah. So it's okay to give up. But I'm, I guess I'm just wondering, like, if we're sitting there, could we find a bet with Ace-King Plus? That's what I'm wondering. She actually starts talking after Liebert bets. Weisner does, yeah. And she's, she, she came to the conclusion we came to, yeah. which was like, you're not betting anything but nines here, right? Like, that's the only value you have. Right. She says nines and then nine, ten, of course. Yeah. And that's it. She's like, you wouldn't bet kings here. You wouldn't bet aces. You wouldn't bet ace kings. So she, she says, I think you'd even check back kings, which means like, I a think set. a set of kings. Yeah. And if you think that, well, then I think we have a pretty easy call, even though it sucks. Yes. Because it's such a weird, how could she be bluffing spot? Right. But just from a traditional perspective, the the turn and river story don't add up so well. Agreed. Yeah. There's no question. And Liebert knows this too, I think. Right? Yeah. But she's just like, you're just going to fold anyway, right? And in fact, there's some power in the story not adding up when you're good when good players are facing each other, right? Because right? then often it's like, well, I had some funky hand that turned into gold. You know, that's that's my story. That the story, of course, the story doesn't add up. I was lying all the time, and now I have something. Yeah. Know? And uh, there was a point when that was actually a pretty reliable time to fold against good players, you know? Right. When the story doesn't add up and they're betting, they know the story doesn't add up, they usually don't try, and now they're trying to get value, they usually have it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's still the case anymore, though. I now don't. it's all, like, mixed up together again. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard It's hard to keep up. Yeah. 
tough to keep up. So there is a little bit of table talk. Yes. Um, I think like Weisner's trying to get Liebert to talk and Liebert should just not talk. I, I think it's a mistake. I don't think she makes any big mistakes when talking, but no. I don't see why you would talk in this spot. She's on TV. Maybe yeah. that's why. Anyway, maybe they're just friendly. A couple of the snippets. Uh, Weisner does her whole range analysis, says, I don't think you would even bet a set of kings here. Yeah. Um, then she says, I, I have queens. And Liebert quickly says, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, but but at first I thought that was a huge mistake. But upon reflection and watching it a second time, after that rage analysis, of course she has queens. Yeah. Like, she doesn't say you wouldn't bet queens. She says you wouldn't bet kings, ace, king, and aces. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that she has the next best hand. Right. right. So there's nothing that it's not really giving anything away to say that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, Weisner then says, it's so hard for you to bluff here, which I kind of interpret as like, you're not supposed to bluff here on right. this card. And, right. uh, and Liebert says, I'm capable. I think I am. I'm not sure. I probably am. That's an interesting, that's an interesting say. way to say that. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah. I don't know if it, I don't think it matters in terms of what Melanie is going to ultimately decide either way, but it's a pretty interesting thing to say. Yeah. I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it either. Um, in the end, though, I think the range analysis is all you really need to make this call, and yeah. Weisner does. You just sort of suck it up and hope this is one of the, that she's got some bluffs here. As long as we think she has any bluffs at all, basically, we're forced to call, right? Yeah. If she's the type of person who can never have a bluff, though, we probably shouldn't have called the turn mm-hmm. anyway. Um, we, so. have, we have gone down in our distribution since the turn because right. we have all the nines that we could have played this way. Right. There's, um, and there, there may not be very many nines that we there may not be. Way. It might just be like eight nine suited and nine nine. That right. might be it. Right. So we're, and well and nine ten suited, which maybe some of the time we play this way. Okay, fine. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, like we may also feel like well we're often ra- sometimes we're often raising some of our nine ten suited, and yeah. there aren't that many anyway, right? Those right. are all suited hands, so there's only some. Yeah, we're just like not great distribution wise, but she's got very little. If you think she has almost no value and she's capable of bluffing, you should probably call. Yep. You know, like, we can throw out some of the other ways we might normally decide. We don't have to use distribution so much, is what I'm saying. No, and we don't have to really even use this table talk that we did. I mean, if, if Weisner believes the thing she said about Liebert's range, it's an easy call. Right. If we had for, An example would be if we have 10-8 suited here. It's really the same spot as with Queens. Yeah. And if we figure out that she has no value and does have bluffs, we can call with 10-8 also. And we don't care about distribution. Yeah. I do really like the idea of betting aces and ace king on this river. I think yeah. maybe we're throwing away money by not doing stuff like that. Right. But Against, I really just don't see it happen very often. I agree. Um, this is the kind of thing where I think the very best players in the world are, are getting value in these spots sometimes. Not always. And they're picking, their, they're picking their opponents. But I think there are people who are absolutely going to call you with one pair here. And you know you have the best hand. Yeah. Um, not that, sorry. It's not that you know you have the best hand, but over time, if you make this bet against them, you're going to make money. Right. So sometimes they're going to call, sometimes they're going to fold, sometimes they're going to call you with a better hand, and it's going to suck. But over time, it's a profitable play, and so they make it. So many poker mistakes come down to the fear of the anecdote, and by that mm. I mean the fear of the Weisner just saying call, like easy, easy call, right? With with my two nines here, of course right. I have two nines here. Why would I? You're so dumb for betting ace king, you dumb dumb. Right. Like so, everybody is living in fear of that moment when they're considering this thin value play on the river. And of course, over time, you're gonna own yourself sometimes yes. if you're betting aces and ace king here. Like you're definitely not gonna win every time. And you, you do have to pick your opponent well because yeah. there's some people who will never call with one pair here. Right. But it's, I think long term value, you might be throwing down the toilet by not betting in this I think, spot. I think that's absolutely the case. And you know, river is where the most money is made. That's where all the money is right. made in poker. Right. I mean, so. 
you have to like take advantage of your river spots when they're there, assuming it's an actual spot to take advantage of. And that's maybe that's the skill as much as anything, which we all have to get better at is recognizing, is this actually a spot I can, I can bet or not and get value like beyond, beyond the normal quote, like analysis we might do and thinking of the hands that they have, like, is this person going to like put on the Cape here enough of the time? Right. I think we can get caught in trap as well. Like this is a very specific scenario. We're not like, it's not going to come up that often. We have to just find the spots for the thin value. And I think what's happened in poker is like 10, between 10 and five years ago, the coolest play in poker was the hero call for like the pretty good player. The pretty good player loved to make the hero call. Mm. And it's kind of shifted to the thin value being the the pretty good player's favorite thing to do. And I think just like people were overcalling when the hero call was so popular, people are overly looking for places for thin value. So we're encouraging thin value in a spot like this, but also I want to say like you have to really find the spot organically. You can't decide it's a thin value spot just because you want it to be. The other thing is this, there's a counter to all this thin value stuff, which is not just call or fold, right? Yes, of course. The counter is raise. And the, all the people within value now hate their lives. Although this isn't exactly a spot for that because Liebert leaves herself 14K behind. This is true. When this she is a 21K. Right. No, Liebert, you can't, you cannot do that in this spot. But in general, like if, if Liebert also has $100,000 back. Yeah. Weisner can absolutely turn her hand into a bluff. If she thinks, if she thinks Liebert's capable of betting ace, king and aces, even king, king. Yeah. She's got, she's like, well, I can't really call here anymore. I don't know that it's profitable. You raise, it's like, well, now she has to have two nines in her hand. Otherwise, I don't know how she can call. Yep. It's like, good luck with that, Kathy. Right. Like, you're going to have to, you're just going to have to fold too often now. Yep. I mean, yep. that's a really, now, these are all super difficult plays to actually execute, I oh, think, yeah. in the moment because it's a scary board and they're betting anyway. And most players, when they do that, they either, they're polarized, right? Right. But we're talking about depolarizing your range and having, and merging, basically, or, or attacking a, a more merged range, at least, right? Let's talk about fear of the anecdote, check raising the river as a bluff in the in a three-bet pot and being wrong about your ability to fold uh, out your opponent. That's not an anecdote you live with very well. Yeah, it's like, imagine if she tanks forever and, and calls yeah. with, with not a straight. You yeah, with ace-king. Yeah, Ace King, even King King. It's yeah. like uh, I was supposed to fold that out, you know. Like yeah. I need to be able to fold out King King here. Yeah, which is asking a lot. But yeah. Anyway, interesting. This hand felt when we were watching it like it's just going to be kind of a typical triple barrel spot where the story doesn't add up so well for Liebert, and it's like interesting to analyze, but not super deep. But I, we found a lot of really cool theory stuff within it, which I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we. You know, I, I feel like we could probably do this with most hands if we let ourselves. Just like yeah. Ask ask questions and like extrapolate out to other bigger conversations, and I mean we're gonna keep doing that. That's right, know. people. The product is the poker guys. It's not the hands we talk about. Oh no! Yeah, you did not. Just I say just that. dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you're my you're, computer. I mean, it's, it's on man. the floor. I hope I hope it's okay. But that was brave too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're done. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make.